I says, what's the problem? Who's at fault here? I says, uh, you, Red. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, what have I done? Okay, um, we don't know how to put this to you, but will you stop looking at her ass? And I said, I ain't looking at her ass. And to a man, about 40 people all said, yes, you are. And I figured, oh, man. <laughs> really? So welcome to the latest Cognitas Global Podcast with me, Laurie Day. Well, what can I say? I've got a great treat today, and I should really do the introduction to the podcast by doing this, because I want to welcome a very interesting guest, Mr. Red Pepper. How you doing? What can I say about this gentleman? Be he, nice. Just I'm be, nice. be nice. He, uh, <laughs> he was born in Barbados. Mm. Ten months old, he went to California and then came to the UK 15 years of age. Mm. He's been a security man. He's worked at McDonald's. He's been an underground train driver. He's been a hog carrier. And he's been a Hollywood voice actor for the latter part of his uh, career. And that's what I want to talk about today. Really read your journey really right from the beginning because the purpose of the podcast is about really helping people understand that uh, it's not necessary that you've got to go to university to succeed in life. You can attend the University of Life and the School of Hard Knocks. Indeed. Uh, so where did it all begin for you? Well, to be honest with you, I got into the career that I'm into now totally by accident. But let's go back. When I was a kid, I was a young kid. I had no inclination that I would ever get into broadcasting or television or radio or nothing like that. All I heard from the get-go was dad saying to me, son, I want you to be a lawyer. I want you to be a police officer. I want you to act dignified. I want you to be approachable. I want you to be a good citizen. I want you to not be stereotypical black. I want you to be somebody. From a kid, my dad used to always pump that into me. Son, put on a shirt. Son, put on a tie. Son, put on a double-breasted jacket. Son, do not grow your hair long. <laughs> Funny enough, I did, actually, but that's another story for another day. But, um, yeah, that's what I got. So, growing up, I was always, I always had instilled into me to do right. The ASA, appearance, speech, and attitude. That's all my dad ever preached. ASA, appearance, speech, and attitude. If you don't have the appearance, have the speech. If you don't have the speech, have the appearance. If you don't have the appearance and the speech, have the attitude. Well, that's how my dad was. He said, always carry those around with you. At least one or two of them in your locker every day. So I grew up with that mentality. So it sounds like your dad had a tremendous ethic. Uh, I guess similar to my dad, you know, very much the same. Yeah. You know, when I was in my career, uh, I wore a suit for 30 years as a detective. It was always about the appearance that you gave. You know, walking up the, the drive to the burglary victim didn't want to see who they thought was the person that just burgled their house. So, I mean, what did your dad do for a living? One day I was a criminal lawyer. Yeah, so he wanted the best for me. Um, he'd, he'd had a few hard knocks as well. He'd been through all the, the nonsense before he became who he was. And um, he was very dignified. He was well-respected and well-known. I mean, a small story about my father uh, going side sidetrack for a minute. I went to Barbados for the first time in donkey's years in 1992. And I hadn't been back there since I was a kid. Uh, and I wanted to know, I wanted to see where I was born. And I was born in a place called Farm Road in St. Philip, which is the top of the island. Now, the island is only 21 miles north to south, 14 and a half miles wide. 
Um, so I went up to St. Uh, Peter, sorry, not St. Philip, St. Peter, and I found Farm Road. And as I'm approaching the, the road, or the vicinity where I was born, this old man, he had no teeth in his head. I think he had one tooth. Sitting down, you know, when the, the, the spiky silver hair is coming through, he's old. I think he was 102. That's what I didn't know at the time until he told me. 102 years old. And he had something wrong with his eyes. And, he, and he's drinking a beer, sitting on the sidewalk, or the pavement, you say here. Sitting down, and he said, Where? Where? Green? Because my proper name is Richardson Ivan Green. Uh -huh. And he said, Green? And I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm thinking, who are you talking to? Can I, I don't know you. He said, Where? Your father named Noah? Your father was an officer in the police before? And I'm thinking, yeah, and I don't know him, madam. First time I've been there, and he knew me wow. simply from the way I walked. Really? And he says, I know your father. And then he um, called uh, Sandy, you clad. He started to call everybody. Everybody came down. And this big old lady, you know, like the lady in, uh, in Tom and Jerry, the lady you always, yeah. always saw the apron. Thomas? Yeah. yeah. And she, yeah. she came out of the house, and she went, oh, God, oh, God. I born you. She was a lady who delivered me. Really? Amazing. That must be quite an emotional thing for I'll you. I'll tell know. you, tears streamed. I don't know what happened. That moment, it was like, woof, just, and that was just an amazing moment. And that was simply because people knew my father and how upstanding he was, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, I, I you know, spent about an hour there. And then I said, listen, I've got to go. And, you ain't going no place. And we sat down at, and they cooked and we talked about this, that, and the other right until about midnight. Wow. We spent the whole day in somebody's strange wow, house. Wow, that's and, fantastic. And when she said to me, you was born right there. And she pointed to the window where I was born. I, I just lost it. I was just wow. very emotional. Very so I guess your dad was, was a tremendous inspiration in your life. Didn't he you? was. He was. He had his faults like everybody else. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a good man. He had logic. He had a lot of logic. He says, don't follow. Do not follow. Observe. Learn. Learn. Be enlightened. And when you are enlightened, do something with that enlightenment. That's what he said to me. And he stuck with it. He says, don't you ever forget who you are. So I'm assuming your dad's not with us anymore? No, no, no. He's upstairs probably yeah. preaching to the Archangel Gabriel and telling everybody how, <laughs> how life is. And they don't know nothing about, you know, yeah, my dad's cool. He's up there. So what do you think then, like, uh, from those days to, and we'll come on to the story about your, you being the man of, you know, appearing in your cinema next week. I won't be as good as you, of course. But <laughs> what do you think you would have said now, looking down, seeing your success well, in your career? <laughs> My father, looking down, would say, he'd probably say, hmm. all right, all right, okay. That's how he was. You're doing right. You think you forgive you for not being a lawyer? Uh, no, I don't think he'd ever do that because he was there. You know, they're doing what? Voiceovers? What is a voiceover? Damn fool. He was like that. And he'd, he'd, he'd be really cursing me for answering to the name of Red, Red Pepper. You know, he was very proud about the name Richardson Ivan Green. It was his name. And I think the very first time somebody came around to my house or his house, my home, uh, and said, excuse me, is Red there? And he literally said, who? Who? And he turned around. <laughs> Does anybody call Red live here? 
and there's me in the corner, like going, yeah, yeah that's, that's me, Dad. Kind of fool are you? And he wanted to run, <laughs> you know. But the name stuck. You know? So let's put that on the bed then. Where where did it originate? The, the name Red Pepper. Well, Red um, in the black community, we got all shades of skin. We got light skin. Mm. We got dark skin. We got yellow. We got high yellow. We got red. We got light. We got mixed. This is what in the black community is the way of describing white folks. We just say, oh, that, that black guy. And of within the black community, we got so many different shades going. It's unbelievable. So I was my skin complexion is red yeah. to the black community. Yeah. That tall red skin boy, that tall red skin man, you know, he yellow. So they call it yellow skin. And that originates from slavery because right. back in the day, many, 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 many hundreds of years ago, um, the slave masters used to rape the slaves. And that's how, so I got Scottish in my blood and that's how I became this complexion. Um, but that's in, that's history. So, but the red came because somebody said, we want you on the billboard because I also DJ and I used to DJ in the nightclubs before I took up radio. And, um, I went into, to do this gig. And this guy says, you're really, really good. We want you on our set. Come and do our set with us. What's your name? And I said, well, my name is Richardson Green. What? <laughs> no, we can't have that. We got to have, you know, names like Shaggy, Buju, Benton, Sting, you know, yeah, some proper yeah, yeah. catchy names. Yeah. And they got all these names on the poster. They not, they're not going to put Richardson Green. It sounds like <laughs> the owner of the club oh, or something. Red Green even doesn't sound yeah, good. And, and they couldn't get it. So they call him Red Skin Man. Red, call him Red. And I said, call me what you like. Red, and that hot voice, Red Pepper. And I says, yeah, go ahead. So in the billboards, you look great on when, you, when you're doing DJing and all the rest of it. <laughs> but on your passport, it doesn't. So I'm, I never did change it. Yeah, that's tricky. Two so, names. Yeah, just about, yeah. just about some DJs decided to call me Red, and it stuck. So getting back to the inspiration thing. Yeah. Your kids see you as an inspiration in the way that you think you're, <laughs> you, you saw your father as an inspiration? I'll tell Is that you. a trick question? I'll <laughs> tell you, yes. They're probably says, shit, no. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they secretly appreciate me. They secretly appreciate me. Nine times out of ten, they will go against what I, why I don't tell them to do anything. I advise them. I encourage them, but mm. I don't tell them. Mm. And they will secretly pick up on stuff that I told them and they'll do it. And then they'll take the, uh, the credit for it. And they'll mm. say, yeah, you know, dad, I was doing this and I was doing that. And I'm thinking, yeah, what I told you to do. And I say, well, no, I did it my way, isn't it? And I think, yeah, <laughs> but they, yeah, they're, they're well, proud of me. They're proud yeah, of me. I guess it'd be like, you know, not till probably we're both gone. We're a similar age as well. I'll be happy to share a birthday a day apart, but uh, well, then, then perhaps our kids would talk about the true inspiration that we are. We'd like to think that. Mm. So, Eventually they do. Yeah. I'm sure they do. They do it in their actions, not their words. So you, uh, I know you, you went to school in Catford. You lived in South London. Mm. How did you find that growing up, um, you know, coming across the States at 15? Well, I like to speak about the positives. There were a lot of negatives of course. in my life socially at that time. You got to appreciate in the 70s in the UK, we can't hide away from it. There was yeah. a lot of racism sure. and National Front and black people get out and blah, blah, blah. So I went through all of that. But I also had this passion for football. 
I also had this passion to go outside and play with everybody. I, wasn't, I didn't care if they're white, black, yellow, whatever. And I managed to find a group of people, or, and the people that I hung out with, they didn't have none of that racism in there. But in the streets, walking from A to B, from town to town, I encountered that. But I did not let it define me. I just said, you know what? It's not my problem. It's their problem. And that's how I was. My dad used to always say to me, words can't kill you, son. Act and walk tall. Walk tall. Walk tall. Walk tall. Do not let anyone define who you are. You are in control of the way you respond. You are in control. Someone can say the worst thing to you. And you can either flick it off. Or you can get, uh, come on. And uh, there was a few times when I said, uh, come on. Sure. And I knocked a few down, but I got the hell beat out of me. But hey, that's life. And, and we either learn from it or we stagnate and, and be the victim. How do you compare the generation when we were growing up to the generation of kids nowadays that are forging their way into careers or right. not? Um, as the case may be. Well, it's a bit of a domino effect because a lot of folks from my generation are still playing the victim. They're still saying, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that, you guys don't know how hard it was for us, blah, 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 blah. The new generation are totally different scale of fish. They integrate a lot more than we did back in the day, which was forced upon a lot of us because around the whole world, you had apartheid and this, that, and the other. So it was a really kind of stink-cold atmosphere back in the 70s on, in some quarters. But the new generation, they want everything now. They don't want to graft yeah. for it. They don't yeah. want it. They don't, they want everything given to them. Not every one of them, but generally, I'd say everybody's got their iPhone or, or, or mobile yeah. device of their choice. If you say, uh, red, what's 15 times 7 divided by 6.3? I'd have to get my, my paper out and I have to put my divide and I have to work it out. Pen and paper, you know, bam, there's your answer. Now, hey, Google, what's 15 times 75 divided by 3? You got your answer. What's the capital of Honolulu? What's the capital of whatever? What's, you know everything at your fingertips. Everything is fast. You got music now. The kids... Love certain artists. And I'll say to my son, any one of my sons, I say, son, you love Jay-Z, for instance. You love whoever. Yeah, got all his records. Did you buy them? No. We download them for free. So yeah. the artists are putting the ticket prices up because they're not selling the albums. And the, yeah. the new generation, generally, not just in music, yeah. but they want everything now, 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 now. Don't want to pick up a pen. Don't want to text in, in longhand. They don't want to do anything. It's Everything is cutting corners, but they want the benefits. I, I risk suffering the wrath of my two young gentlemen employees in, behind the camera. And I must say, they're good lads, these lads. They're not of that uh, of that nut type. But I, I must say, that's one of the problems that I find now. You know, I, I do some volunteering. I'm an enterprise advisor for two schools, and I try and help the schools and those individuals bridge from their, you know, from school in, into careers. Um, I mean, there are challenges. I mean, when I went to school, probably two or three kids out of class went to university, but now probably two or three kids don't go to mm -hmm. university. That's right. 
And then you've got this whole thing about coming out in entitlement. But look, let, let's move on. We can see you mentioned music behind us. We have your decks. We'll come on to um, your love of music and that great radio show that you do at the weekends. But let's just move on a little bit. You, um, you go through school. You end up driving underground trains. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, any particular ones or any particular line or? Oh, really quite a few lines. I started, yeah. started off on the Bakerloo line. I worked on the Bakerloo, uh, Jubilee, Hammersmith and City Circle line. And uh, yeah, that was the four. And the deep, dark past, yeah. that is. A long time ago. When was that? When did you? Uh, I packed that in 1994. I was forced to. Well, uh, tell the story. I mean, I've heard this before. It's a great story. I was forced to. I mean, long story short, I'll compact this as best I can. Um, Basically, I was, again, uh, hold on to what I was saying earlier about attitude, right? Let's take it back. I woke up. I was doing the number one duty. We started at 5.40 in the morning. Got to go into a cold depot and take out a train. So I got up that morning, and I was not in the mood to go to work. Got up at 3. Everybody's sleeping, everything. I'm thinking, I really don't want this. I don't want this. But I needed to work, raising little kids and everything. So where I lived, I put on my uniform. I went down into the kitchen, drank half a cup of coffee. And I could sit down in my living room by the bay window. And I could hear the bus. It's so quiet outside. I could hear the bus down at the bottom of the hill. So all I got to do is sit in my front room and wait for the bus. Then I could leave the house, step up across the road. My bus stop is there. So I come out, get on the bus with all these cleaners, get to work. Cold morning, blah, 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 blah. Not in the mood to go. Fast forward, 11 o'clock in the morning. Everything is hunky-dory. I'm going up and down the tracks. I'm on the Bay Clue line. I depart from Piccadilly Circus. I get to Oxford Circus. But as I come into the station, I can see some lights camera and some photographers around this lady dressed up as Marilyn Monroe, all the white hair and the white dress. And because the tube train brings the the breeze in with it, I'm coming in at 40 miles per hour before I hit the brakes. The, um, the, the breeze is blowing the skirt. I'm getting all the pictures. So as I'm driving, imagine I'm driving past and I'm thinking, wow. So I look at this lady, I open up the doors, I get on the public address system. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your driver speaking. I'd like to say a special hello to Marilyn Monroe, who just boarded the train. You're looking fantastic. Please, gentlemen, please give up a seat. I put down the PA system. Behind my cab, you're very close to the customers. They can't see me, but I can hear them, and I can hear them go, Did you hear my voice? Did you hear his voice? Well, they swore, but I won't swear. Did you hear his voice? He says, well, Barry, They were going on like that, so I said, no, I just laughed. Anyway, cut a long story short. Um, the, the crew get off on the next stop um, to do more filming or whatever it's gonna, they're going to do. And she gets out and she gives me a little wave. And I say, oh, give me your number. But she didn't. She gave me a wave and I was good with that. Get to the next stop, Baker Street. And this dude jumps off of my train and he starts running towards the cab. He's got on a suit, shirt and tie, looking very dignified. But he's really running, going for it. And I said, whoa, 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 something's happened on the train. Because we don't have no guard. It's just me. So I pull down the window. I wait for him to get to me. And he says, oh, oh, so camp. So camp. He says, you've got a lovely voice. And I said, this is, this is in the peak hours. 
peak hours. There's a train 30 seconds behind me waiting to come up, and I'm sitting there. <laughs> and I says, is that it? I says, thank you, but no, 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 no. I forget the guy's name, and he says, no, I'm the chief executive. Of, I'm going to run this television station, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to have your number. You come and do some voiceovers. And at the time, I'm just a regular train driver. Didn't have a clue what a voiceover was. I said, yeah. And I, I had a phone, one of the new, long mobile phones, you know. And I'm like, oh, I don't have any contacts. Yeah, I'll take your number. And I'm putting this number in. I'm feeling cock-a-hoot. Took his number. I get to Harrow, Watford, going out to Watford. Get a call from this dude. He says to me, uh, I'd like you to come into the studio and record something. I knew nothing about these fancy studios. I'm just a train driver. <laughs> anyway, long story short, following day, pretty much, um, uh, I've got my underground uniform on. I'm traveling to work, but I'm going to go into the studio first before I get to work. I went in. He took a A4 paper and he says, right, going there and all these hoity-toity looking people are in the studio. I'm thinking, wow, this place is really cool. This place called Molinaire in uh, Duforce Place in the back of uh, Carnaby Street. And I'm looking at all the studio. I'm thinking, whoa, look at this. Whoa, never been in nothing like this before. Whoa, fantastic. I get the A4 paper, put the headphones on, and they're all standing there like, because I can't hear them. I just see them through the glass. The, the, the movie clip come on. I don't know what movie it was. See the green light. And the first line is, in a world. So this is, in a world. Second green light. We're one man. Blah, 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 whatever it was. And I can see them all behind the glass. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so I literally said, was that okay? And they press the button. We'll be with you in a minute. One, one minute. One minute. One, one minute. I'm like, all right. Didn't think nothing of it. I was just thinking, this is kind of cool, whatever this is. I like this. Came in, grabbed my hand. And you know when someone shakes your hand too long because he's so happy. And he's like, fantastic. Fantastic. We'll call you. We'll call you. And I'm thinking, I got my hand, fool. But he was just holding on. He said, we'll give you a call. Give you a call. Anyway, long story short, he called me up again, offered me a one hour per week contract for Double what I was earning on the underground for 48 hours. And I told my, I told my ex-wife at the time, I says, this man just offered me how much? She goes, no, you, you know, he, she, you probably got that the back room for 60 hours. I said, no, no, this is sick. Shut up. Anyway, long story short, I started doing stuff. I tried to keep the both jobs because I kept thinking it's not going to last for long. But I couldn't hold down the jobs. They'd already taken photographs and everything. Next couple of minutes, I had my friend calling me 5 o'clock in the morning. Red, turn on your radio. You're on the radio. I said, what radio? You're on, you're on talk radio. You're on LBC. You're on every station. They're talking about you. And I'm thinking, me? Turns out the night before, there was a huge picture of me on the front page of the Evening Standard. Standing like that, gray suit, pictures that I'd taken with the sci-fi channel or whatever for publicity, didn't think of nothing of it. I was supposed to be off sick. I'm standing there <laughs> from, from two driver to Hollywood. I said, I'm not in, I'm not in Hollywood, but I'm just doing this. And uh, the, my company, uh, the London Underground, told me, bring your keys in and your uniform 
unsling your hook. And they told me, get out because you're not, to, you, you lied to us because I told them that I was off sick, you know, that I was making money. Well, I guess two or three minutes ago, people suddenly went, that, that's the bloke. That's the, I've, I've heard him in the cinema. Yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. those tracks and that. But, yeah, uh, coming soon in a world. Yes. One man, this year, this fall. Uh, I used to do it all. So where did you learn your craft then? Because did you get any training from there? Or you well, know, how did well, you develop? Nowhere. I mean, I've said it to so many young kids as well. It's, it's, you, you mentioned hard knocks. In this industry, as a voice actor, you, you, people think you have the voice, but the other part of it, they forget voice acting is acting. Mm. You have to act as well. So you may have a fantastic voice, but somebody says to you, say, in a world, for instance, instance which was developed by uh, Don LaFontaine, that's his line. And then every script I got was in a world, in a world, in a world. And this is, oh, that's Don LaFontaine's line. I'm only reading what they give me. So like, you tell me, in a world, in a world, in a world, is different ways to say yeah. it, different depending on what you're doing. If you have never had a, a sadness in your life or jubilation in your life or ecstasy in your life or depression in your life mm -hmm. or all of, the, all of the emotions, it's very hard for you to relay that yeah. with your vocals. Yeah. So when you've been through a lot of stuff, you can actually live it. So a man can say to you, oh, this is a really sad story about a duck dying. We sound ridiculous, but it's a sad story. And I want you to bring the comedy element out, and I want you to bring out the sadness. But the, the, here's the line, in a world. You see, in a world, in a world, in a world. Well, you can't do it too deep, too nasty. In a world. That's, that yeah. doesn't fit. Yeah. So you just naturally... Yeah. You know, you're getting some direction as well, of course. So you, so. Yeah, so yeah. they just say to you, it's a movies, two two gentlemen, two ladies, two. You you could you bring that softness out, or it could be something really ridiculous, and you you're in there. But I have the, the ability. My voice broke when I was 14 years old, coming down the stairs. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't have a clue. And then I didn't realize that my voice was something special until my sisters started asking me to tell their boyfriends not to call again. And then I realized I can earn something out of this. Are you going to give me all your greens? Yeah. Well, and they used to give me their greens off the plate. I'm going to ask you for a funny story, but I'm going to tell you one first of all. And, and this is uh, when I first met you here, because the reason how I got to know you is because uh, you and I like working at the weekends because it's nice and quiet and you do your radio show and we always bump into each other at our business here. And um, I, and by now, I guess other people, many people are recognizing you as the guy in the red suit sitting on the plane on the Virgin Advert as well, of course, jangling the old thing. And so I went home and I said, uh, you know that guy on, to my wife, you know that guy on the advert, the red suit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, he, he works in my office. She said, no, no, that's, that's RuPaul, she said. <laughs> well, mate, don't hit me is the first thing I'd say there. She said, that's I, said, I said, no, he works in my office. She said, he doesn't work in your office. Like, what? You're mad. And, and then, of course, you know, I, I said to you, and then we did a little video for the wife and that. But, um, but sure, I mean, you're doing a lot of TV work as well. I've seen you on quiz shows and that. So come on, give me a funny story about the old celebrity world. I mean, it's a crazy well, existence, it, isn't it, really? I can respect. tell you, well, not necessarily funny, but I can tell you an, an eye-opener for me was when you meet 
when I meet or when I met quite a few of the celebrities, which I always held in high esteem, I found that 50% of them was or were as I expected. And a hell of a lot of them just like, oh my God, you disgust me. Some of them are so far up their own jacksy, it's unbelievable. And you would never believe it. And somebody say, no, you can't speak ill of that person. No way, I won't have it. And some of them are They're so, just people. Yeah. Right? Playing a part. And some, they, they are, as far as I'm concerned, if, if a thousand people stop me between here and two miles of the road, yeah. it wouldn't bother me. Hello, hello, even if I put my arm up a thousand times. Hello, thank you, no problem. Selfie, no problem, no problem. People say you'll get tired of that if you were really, really, really famous, possibly, but I doubt it because the celebrity status comes at a price. It comes because those people put you there. Yeah. And when you were scratching and your behind was dragging on the floor and you, and then you all of a sudden you was raised up, it was those people who, who, who loved you up. And yeah. now you're hiding behind your black glasses and whatever. Don't, don't talk to me. I just think it's an insult. I always remember a, a line out of Dreams, the Fleetwood Mac song, players only love you when they're playing. Yeah, you know? there uh, you go. Which is, to me, has always been resonant. Yeah, that's, that's a great the, album, that is. So, yeah. yeah, great album. Uh, we're going to talk about your music in a minute, but I just want to um, maybe ask you just a, a little bit of behind-the-scenes story. Do you remember you told me the story about the uh, when you were doing that Virgin Advert about how many takes it took <laughs> because of somebody else's perception of what you thought, what they thought was going on, what clearly wasn't. You remember that? Maybe you were just wanting to recount tell that. everybody that, but it's well, the truth. Well, I was, I was. Uh, all I had to do on, on this, um, on this uh, Virgin Atlantic advert was sit in the plane. I got my 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 paper. I'm looking at it. I'm, a, I'm supposed to be an executive customer. I'm very familiar with the staff. They've met me on umpteen occasions, and I'm supposed to. I've got my arm up here, and I just um, give, give the lady a glance, give her a smile on my back, and I jangle my bangles. And the reason they wanted me to jangle my bangles was because of the line in the song. And I look up. And I, this is the cabin crew lady is walking past. The cabin you. crew lady yeah. walks past, so yeah. I make eye contact with her, and that's all I got to do. All the camera crew are there. These guys on the floor are getting in the right angles for the lighting and all the rest of it. You know how it works. And uh, they said, okay, can't. Okay, take it again, please, Red. So, okay. So I do my thing. I sit myself up. And action, silent, action. So I just do that again. And I'm good. Okay, cut. Okay, can we take it again? And we went through that process nine, ten times. So I'm thinking, what the hell are they wanting? I'm doing the same thing every time. Come on, surely they must have got it. They're not adjusting cameras. They're not adjusting lighting. They're not adjusting movements or nothing. They're not fluffing me up. They, nothing's out of place. Everything is good. I'm thinking, what the hell? I says, what's the problem? Who, who, who's at fault here? And I says, uh, you, Rhett. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, what have I done? Well, we, we, want, we wanted you to correct it without us telling you, but we're running out of daylight. And I says, what's up? Okay, um, we don't know how to put this to you, but will you, will you stop looking at her ass? And I said, I ain't looking at her ass. And to a man, about 40 people all said, yes, you are. And I thinking, oh, man, really? Shut up. So I'm a, maybe, I'm a, I probably, you know, you give the, the once over. It's kind of, 
How you do? And the eyes, you know, on camera work, they capture every little detail. Yeah, yeah. They can catch your fingernails. They catch everything in detail. So my my eye may be probably, what's up? And they, they caught my eye drop. And they said, no, you've got to be so PC in adverts. You can't be seen because somebody will complain. And I says, but I didn't even do it. Yes, you did. <laughs> so next, next take, it was like. <laughs> well, no, like, yeah, that was funny. So that, that they was, your money that day. That's that small little piece. Yeah, that day. Um, I want to. I want to ask you about really what's brought you one of the most, some of the biggest joy in your life. Really, whether it's uh, it could be family related, could be work related. What's really something right. different? You know. All right, you 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 want something different, which is not what you're expecting. My my yeah. greatest achievement is forgiving, being able to forgive. Really? Right when I was younger. Um, it's not about, it's not about money or it's not about what I've achieved personally and material nonsense because that all go, goes, but my, my greatest thing internally, which has helped me become me was being able to forgive my mother because my mother was a piece of work. I, it's out there. My mother was one of the finest nurses in the country. She was, she was awarded best psychiatric nurse in the country, blah, blah, blah. She had all the stars and, you know, fanfare. Yeah, she was great, but uh, she didn't treat me right. And I knew, I knew, I knew deep down that I was holding on to something from my past Hmm. because my, my toes, I got a size 13 feet, but for years and years, my toes were like that. Hmm. They weren't flat out. They were like that. They were tense. All my toes were curled up. And I used to bite my nails down to the quick, and I said this, and I said that. And, and as I grew up, it was because of all the pressure my mother put me through. My mother made me drink my own urine. Seriously, what? Yeah, that kind of madness. She put me through mental torture because her and my father was Nazi and eye to eye, whatever. And I learned to forgive because I held on to it for a long time, and I forgave. And I think when I forgave my mother, I said, you know what? The past is the past. I'm a grown man now. Love to you. Well, that's a tremendous gift to give, that that gift of forgiving. Are you a religious man? No, not. Well, I believe in in the the higher being. It's not a man, it's not a woman, it's a spirit. I believe in spirits. We have the ability to sense, we can sense stuff, and that's a beautiful thing that we tend to forget. You can sense when someone's walking behind you. You can sense these things, and there are spirits everywhere. But that's what I believe. I don't believe in, you know, the Jesus Christ and this, that, and yet I'm not into all of that. But uh, I believe in self-preservation. I believe in love and and appreciating other people and doing unto others as you would want them done unto you. I'm yeah. just very, very humble and grounded. Trust me, I am. Do you know that's that's one of the biggest. That's my mantra: is really treat everybody as if uh, that, that's how you want to be treated yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think if people adopt that philosophy, then they're not going to go too wrong in life. You mm, know, no. what I just want to sort of you know sort of finish up really a couple of things by talking about your other interests, your music, which I know is a great passion oh, for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. So just tell us a little about that. You do a radio show. Let's give it an absolutely overt plug because I've got to say it's worth listening to. I do a radio show every Saturday um, between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. UK time called The Solar Coaster. The Solar Coaster. Don't forget that. On what station? Um, on Jazz Funk Soul Radio, JFSR. Dot co jfsr.co jazz funk soul radio we play jazz and funk and soul and, and mute all kind of grooves from the 70s upwards i got music that takes me back way back to the 30s but i'm a music man i got 164,000 records i'm a passionate music 
fan. And I'm one of those guys, I'll tell you what side it was on, how many, how many tracks was on there, who was in the background playing the bass. Or, I'm one of those kind of anoraks. And I just enjoy what I do. Always have, and I'll never, ever stop loving music. It's as simple as that. I've spent so much money. I've, uh, I've wasted a lot of money, gave away some great albums, got myself in trouble, had to walk the street to get home be, uh, because I spent too much money on an album. I walked from central London to Lewisham because I needed to get that album by Jimmy McGriff called Tail Gunner back in the 70s, and I had no money, just enough to buy it. American import, I couldn't eat, but I had the album. That's how I am. And you listened to the whole album all the way through, right? Yeah, and I still play it. And, and that's the great thing about your radio station. I, I love music as well. I'm a massive music fan. I always have been all my life. But one of the great things about your radio station is, is that the stuff that you play is, I mean, you're not playing the chart stuff. And no, that, no, um, no, no, no. You're playing stuff that, um, first of all, you're listening to it and I'm thinking, you know what? I've heard that in a film somewhere. Yeah. And I recognize that track. But yeah. it's something you've just taken for granted and you've heard yeah, over the years. Awesome. You can't put a name to it. And then you do on the radio station. But also you, uh, you invite people to call in. Yeah. and share their memories and share their, their tracks mm. and you play their mm. tracks, which is mm. great. And, and I've got to say, I will give another plug for it. It's a fantastic, again, what's yeah. the name of the radio station? And Jazz Funk Soul Radio. That's JFSR. The Soul Um Let's just maybe finish up by saying this has been, this has been really great, uh, Red. I've loved speaking to you today. Um, what is it, if you could give any advice to anybody, any kid, any colour, any culture growing up now in, in the UK? It could be anywhere, but let's talk about the UK. We both live and work in the UK. You know, you've, as you say, you've done something where you wanted to get something you couldn't even eat mm. as a result of buying it. Yeah. You've had that situation growing up with, with, with uh, your parents, so your parent, mm. um, and you've worked hard. You know, clearly you've worked hard. you brought your family up, and now you're enjoying life, and I know you mm. enjoy life. Mm. And you don't take things too seriously, but you're a very professional man. Very. Um, what advice would you give any kid that are growing up, that are coming into a career, that, or just any, any advice around work and succeeding in life? As they believe in what you're doing, and then it's no longer work. If you believe in what you're doing, the end goal is there. It's no longer work. You probably see me every single day come through here, and you'll never believe that I've got some professional gigs going on. I take life easily. And we have to understand one thing. You, what you put in is what you get out. What you put in is what you get out. And especially when it comes to business, there is no emotion attached to business. It's business. It's simple business as far as I'm concerned. If you want to succeed, you set yourself a goal. You don't put that bar too high. If you know you can't reach, what you going to do? You're going to wait for something to fall down? No. Or you're going to find a way to get up there. That's how I see it. You, you, uh, there's too much. There's too much involved in um, giving a a simple answer because it starts with you. It starts from within you. You got to understand that everything that we go through leads to something else, and it's, we tend to choose on the wrong things to focus on. For instance, you've got on a shirt right now, but you can't feel that shirt on your back. Until now, you're thinking about it. Yeah, you can. But we focus on the negatives. We focus on what we can't do. We focus on how many times have you heard, yeah, but you can do this, blah, blah. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. 
And you, you started off on the negative rather than, how can I? Let's do this. Okay, let's work on it. The positive way of looking at things. That's how I am. I can't do the, yeah, but I, I don't wait for anything. Don't wait for anything. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. If you can't get it done, fall down, get back up, keep on, keep on, keep on. Don't ever stop if you believe in something. That's how I see it. That's great advice. And I think the thing is, you know, lots of kids will feel that, again, it comes with this almost having thing, things now mm. or tomorrow, is that, you know, if you persevere, yeah. luck will prevail. There'll be an opportunity to create itself. Yeah. So if you get knocked down, you get up, it makes you yeah. stronger, you know? Exactly. And you're always going to have disappointment in your life. Oh, well, At yeah. some stage, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're going to face disappointment. Mm. Um, but if you don't like get up and, and just use that experience to make you stronger, then you're not going to succeed. Exactly. Now, look, people have probably been wondering what this set is here. And, and you know me, um, when I see you from time to time, I like to do a little magic trick. I always like to observe you. That's why I said make well, sure you do a card trick as well. Let's finish on this. So, you know, I'm a member of the magic circle. I've been going to do a little trick for you today. Now, um, that is voodoo. I'm telling you, she's not right. Now, look, you can see here, I've got a pack of cards, uh, and they consist of cards from different packs that I've collected over the years, yeah? All sorts of beautiful um, backs you can see, it, all completely different. Now, I'm not a gambling man anymore. I've had my fair share of losing and losing. But if I used to play my favorite uh, game in a casino, it would be blackjack. Yeah. Now, I always found that the strongest hand that I had was normally about 18. That yeah. gave me a good chance. And what we're going to do today, using these cards, we're going to see if we can find what would be perhaps your, you like your, your strongest hand. You always get me, man. Go so, on. what I'm going to do, you can see that all these backs are... Just complete beautiful cards. Yeah, I'm watching you, man. I'm watching. All right, okay. So I'm going to look. This is easy. You're in control. I'm just going to ask you to tell me when to stop at any stage when you see a card that you like, any time you want. You right there, right there. Yeah. Okay. What we're going to do? We're going to put that. We're going to mark that spot, right? We're going to put the pack on the top, and we're going to do it again with a seven. Yeah, that'll do this one here. This one here? Oh, yeah, this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? I like that. So somewhere, <laughs> you've marked, you've marked two places. Yeah. Okay. So let's take the card next to it. So you've marked the place where you think you're going to get the strongest hand with those two cards. Let's just go all the way through there. I think that's at the end there. So we've got those. Now, Red, I said that we shared a lot in common. We have close birthdays. We're a similar age. And let's see what you chose. Man, that is a coincidence. You chose a seven and an ace, the same hand as me. But look, what's even stranger is that those two cards even match, which is spooky. You could have put those cards in anywhere in the deck, right? But you're probably going to say to me, what? If you see this man in the street, walk but you, away. But you're going to say to me, look, well, they're just aces and sevens in that deck, yeah? Bear in mind, you could have put those cards anywhere where you wanted. But in fact, Red, 
They were all queens. <laughs> oh, man. No, you're dangerous. <laughs> this man ain't right. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Red pepper, ladies and gentlemen. How the hell did you do that?